Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you. I'll be joined by our new co-host, the good son, Andrew Michelson, as well. But real quick before we jump into things with the interview today, some show notes if you are looking for some professional wrestling in the next couple of days. Tonight, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana, FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, and Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. Tomorrow night, inclusive pro wrestling in Kelso, Washington for their first show. That is where you can find myself tomorrow night. Supreme Wrestling back in Madison, Indiana tomorrow. HCW in Terre Haute, Indiana. SSW in Mount Carmel, Tennessee. Wrestle Arts in Indianapolis, Indiana. And JCW in Martinsville, Indiana tomorrow. So if you have some wrestling near you, get out there and support your local independent. Without further ado, I want to welcome to the show someone we've been very eagerly anticipating to the show. Bill Colville, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here and be part of this, especially going back on the Von Erichs and my experience with them. Well, normally my first-timer question for people when it's their first time here is, how did you get into the business? I know yours was not a traditional wrestling career per se, but can you tell us how you ended up working with the professional wrestling business? Yeah, and it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, David and Kerry tricked me into being in the business. Uh, I had known them since they were little kids. In fact, I had worked with uh, their grandfather, Fritz's father. I've, I've gone through the whole family. And uh Right out of college, I became a police officer for just a little bit, and that wasn't going to work, and I became a bounty hunter. And I was in town one weekend, out of, and David called me. We had become our, – our age difference when we were younger was too far apart to be friends, but as we got older, we became friends and brothers. And David called me one day. I was in town, and he said, can you uh, drive me to Will Rogers tonight for TV? And I said, yeah, no problem. He said, bring your new Cadillac. And he said, wear your cowboy hat and sport coat. And I said, why? And he, he wouldn't tell me. He just laughed and said, just do it. So I did, and we showed up around back, and everybody went nuts. And I said, I'm not putting up with this. <laughs> I said, let me get your stuff, and I'll meet you inside. So we went in. I went in. He came in later laughing. I went upstairs. Watched the show after it was over with. He got me. We fought our way back and uh, got in the car and went home. He called me the next weekend and said, my car's still down. Can you take me again? And I said, yeah. He said, wear your hat and coat and bring the Cadillac. 
And I said, why? He said, just do it. So we did it. Same thing happened. Well, we did this for four weeks. And I noticed fans started screaming at me and, and trying to get an autograph. And so on the fourth night, one of the ushers asked me to come downstairs. And when I did, Carrie stuck his head out the door and was laughing and slammed the door. David stuck his head out the door, was laughing, slammed the door. The music started. They came out, and they said, walk with us a little bit. And there was a big curtain from where we came out of Will Rogers, uh, came out of the dressing rooms before we got to the ring. And Carrie said, how's your knee surgery doing? And I said, it's fine. And David said, do you think you can run? I said, well, I could if I wanted to. And about the time the music hit right, and they pushed me through the curtain and said, get us to the ring. And I fought our way to the ring. And when I got there, I was ticked. And I turned around and came back. And I, when they came out after the match, I chewed their butt out and David all the way home. The next morning, Fritz called me. And he said, you've got 15 minutes to be at the house. And I said, I'll be there in 10. And I got there, and David and Carrie were in the corner laughing. The whole family was in there in the kitchen. And I had, like I said, Fritz was kind of like a second father. He said I was the seventh son. It was a family deal. And I walked in, and he said, what were you thinking last night going to the ring? I said, I was thinking I was going to kick their butts. And he looked at the boys, and they were laughing. And he said, is he telling the truth? And they shook their head, yes. And he said, so you didn't want to be in the in the show? I said, no, I didn't want to be in the show. He looked at the boys and he said, is he telling the truth? And they, they're still laughing and they shake their head, yeah. And said, he didn't know what was going on. And he looked at me again. He said, so you don't want to be any part of this? And I said, no, I don't want to be any part of this. And he looked at the boys and said, okay, he starts next Monday. And he turned around and walked off. And that's how I got into business. Now, fast-forwarding many years to present day, the movie Iron Claw is coming to theaters next month, and you have a part in that movie as far as being depicted on screen, but you also helped with the production of the movie what was it like reliving the glory of world-class championship wrestling when you were doing Iron Claw? Well, I didn't really get to I was going through David, uh, I mean, James Beard on that. But what they did, if you, you know, going back, a lot of people, we're all, all the guys from world-class are trying to deal with fans uh, on the uh, Von Eric websites and Facebook pages because some of them are complaining about what it is. Well, it's not wrestling. The show is not about wrestling. It's about the Von Erichs and the family. Uh, it has some wrestling in it, and the actors that they've got in there are excellent. They are – it's hard – I can't tell that it wasn't really world-class championship wrestling. They've done a great job. But the movie is not about wrestling. It's about the Von Erichs family and the tragedies that happened. And that's what the movie is about. And that's what we're trying to get across to, to people that, you know, if you're going to the match to see wrestling, you're going to be disappointed because that's not what it's about. It's about the family and, and, and the history. When you were 
working for the company and helping the Von Erics, world-class got on ESPN, which was still relatively new at the time, but it was still nationally seen television. Did you find yourself getting recognized wherever you went from world-class TV, whether it was the local Texas and Oklahoma crowd that recognized you on the street, or if you went elsewhere, did fans recognize you from ESPN? Yeah, it's it's it was funny, and it, it still happens today. I could go anywhere as long as I didn't wear that cowboy hat. But any time I had that hat on, fans knew it was me. It didn't matter where we were, you know, or whether I was by myself. Uh, that happened. Uh, and that wasn't what I wanted to happen because if I was going to do what I was going to do, I didn't want to be part of the show. I didn't want people thinking that I was part. I wanted them to know that I was, was the uh, head of security, that the other guys that were dressed like me worked for me, and we were, we were there to take care of the, the match and to take care of the wrestlers, not be part of the show. Uh, and that was, that was the, the big deal that, that caused the problem for me and, and the guys that worked for me. Uh, because we would go out and people would think we were, uh, you know, they could deal with us like they did the wrestlers because they knew the wrestlers couldn't really hurt them. We could and did. Uh, not that we wanted to, but we would, you know, when when they would start something, we would we would finish it. Uh, it was it was a, a tough situation in that uh, being known and being recognized. That's not what I wanted, and that's not what I went into to be there for when I got tricked into to being in there. You talked about being a bounty hunter and being a policeman earlier. There were a lot of wrestlers that came out of those professions over the years. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, who was wrestling in world class as a uh, a Russian sympathizer came to wrestling from being a bounty hunter. Did you ever talk shop with some of the people from wrestling that had either been in law enforcement or bounty hunting about those professions? No, we really didn't. Uh, You know, when, when we got, let me go back again a little bit. Uh, I was, was there in the ring, I was there to start the show. I was at the rings wherever we were, uh, and then I usually left with the Von Erics. At least that's the way it started. Now, one day uh, they came. Well, Kim Mantel came to the ring and said, "You're bringing the Freebirds out." Now I said, "No, I'm I'm with the Freebirds." He said, "Not anymore. You're a heel," and that's how I got pushed back. Part of that story is. is is uh, I, I just well I forgot where I was going with that now. <laughs> God, uh, but anyway, no, I, that wasn't wasn't something I was doing uh, on that level. Now, looking back at things, do you think that the Von Erichs 
sort of tricked you into getting into the business because you had that police background and the bounty hunting background. They knew that you would be able to handle things if fans got too close to them or got too excited and they had to fight their way back? Or do you think that it was just because they knew you and had that trust in you regardless of what other professions you did? Well, it was going to be a little bit of both. They they knew that I could handle it. They knew I had a background uh, to fight. And uh, they knew that, that I was like a brother, uh, you know, and that I would take care of them. And they knew that it would be fine to trick me into being in the business, which uh, it wasn't at the time. I'm glad they did do it. Uh, but, you know, it started off with just them. And when I had to do that, I could only work Will Rogers, and that happened for about 90 days. And then Fritz moved me over to Friday nights over at the Sportatorium, and I was still strictly with the Von Erics. And that rocked and rolled for a little bit. And then, uh, like I said a while ago, they moved me to the Freebirds in the middle of the show and turned me into a heel. And I said, well, that's changing. And that's kind of when they started moving me around, and then I was moved up to bringing other people in and being head of security and starting to make the rules where, you know, towards the the middle and the end, I wasn't working all of the matches. I was just working the main events, and I had my other crews in working the other uh, preliminary shows. We've heard a lot of people in recent years that have done interviews that talked about the Sportatorium itself. Some people have fond memories of the building, others not so fond memories of the building. Looking at it strictly as a wrestling venue, what did you think of the Sportatorium? The same thing that, that nearly all of us thought. Some people like to make excuses about it, but no matter where we went during the week, it was always great to get back to the Sportatorium. It was the hardest venue to work in, the worst ring, the most dangerous. It was the hardest to get those guys to the ring because if, you, if you've watched the shows or were ever there, the aisles going down the heel and baby face aisles to get to the ring were very narrow. And the fans would just close in on us when we were trying to get down there. We'd have clothes ripped, uh, hair pulled. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a fight to get to the ring and get out of the ring. Uh, it, 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 but it was, it was the, the best place. It was a place that I always liked to be back to. And pretty much everybody else, it was... It was uh, just kind of a home for us. Well, at this point, my co-host is with us, and I know he has questions, so I'm going to pass you over to the good son, Andrew Michelson. Hello. Yeah. Um, so I guess my, my first question, um, you know, you talked about being a police officer, bounty hunter, and, now, and you know, security for wrestling. What was the like? What was the difference between each job? Like, was there certain things that were kind of similar, and then certain things that were the same, or like what? And I guess which also which was the hardest to do? From from being a policeman, bounty hunter, and and the security. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I didn't like being the police officer. I didn't do that very long. Okay. Uh, that's why I became a bounty hunter. I didn't, it wasn't, you know, being the bounty hunter was more dangerous. Well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, being a bounty hunter, you didn't really have the log like a police officer does behind you. Uh, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't enjoy being the police officer. I enjoyed the bounty hunting. And, of course, then when the, uh, the Von Erichs got me in, uh, then all of that dropped. But, you know, from, from that standpoint, the bounty hunter, you're not on a nine-to-five job. Uh, you don't have people you have to answer to. Uh, like you do on the police officer. And uh, I'm not taking anything away from, from being a police officer. I have a lot of friends now that are police officers, FBI, uh, sheriffs that we run around and, and hang out with. And it's a great profession. It just wasn't something uh, I wanted to do at the time. And I did enjoy the bounty hunting, but uh, I, I was picked when I got tripped into to being with the Von Erics, and they, they were like brothers. In fact, they could have killed me, but I chased them out of the house when Fritz left. You know, and they ran like brothers. You know, they were laughing. I mean, it wasn't. They knew nothing was going to happen, and either one of them could have broken my neck if I'd caught them in the wrong way. But you know, it was it was a brother type deal. You know. Okay. And then when I caught them, we laughed, and I said, "Okay, now what?" Fair. All right. Um, so, yeah, speaking of, you know, you, like you said, it's more of a brotherly um, aspect of everything. Who did you get along with, I guess, the, the closest? Who were you the closest of the brothers to? Well, David brought me in, and we were like brothers. Uh, okay. Of course, I had known them since they were little kids. My dad had a chain of franchise motorcycle shops. And that's how we actually met. Fritz came in and bought some, some mini bikes from them where they were kids. And uh, uh, I used to bring them home and, and the motorcycles or mini bikes to start with, and take them back and get them serviced. And, you know, uh, it, it was, you know, I grew up with them. They grew up under me and, and uh, Fritz and my dad were friends. Uh, so, uh you know, that's that's kind of the way all of that happened. And then as we got older, uh, David and I became real close. Uh, but we only had a couple of years before he died. And a couple of weeks after that, we were doing TV at the Sportatorium, and Carrie sent someone and said, Carrie wants you back in one of the empty rooms in the dressing room. And so I went back there, and he said, sit down for a minute. And so I sat, and he said, can you and I be brothers? And I said, Carrie, we are brothers. He said, no, I mean brothers like you and David are. Okay. And, you know, we were still in shock over David passing. And yeah. I hugged him. I started crying. And I said, Carrie, we're brothers. We've always been brothers. We'll always be brothers. And he started crying. And uh, after that, that's why, you know, if you if you – on the Bo and Jim show uh, here in Dallas, Lacey and I were on Carrie's daughter and yeah. Bo introduced me and said, and Bill Cobble to what and Lacey jumped at <laughs> kiddingly. And she said, that's not Bill. That's uncle Bill. 
So that's that's okay, awesome. Uncle Bill. So, you know, I was there. I'm the one that, you know, when, when we traveled, Carrie had Holly. I had Lacey. Okay. Uh, I pushed Lacey in a stroller. I was there when she was born. She would sit in my lap at restaurants. I would feed her. Uh, you know, it, it was, I was Uncle Bill. And still am. Which I love. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome, yeah. Because, again, like you said, this, this sport is very brotherly and everything. Um, so that is cool that you still have that relationship with Lacey and everything because you never know, right, especially with this business. You never know what can happen. Um, and okay, going back and to uh, yeah, because, I mean, I have really a really close brother myself, and sadly I lost one brother. Um, so I, I know what you mean by that. It, it's definitely – it's hard when that's, that happens. So I definitely – that's cool that you still have that relationship with Lacey and all of them. Um, so I guess, you know, going, talking about Iron Claw, you know, you did say like they, a lot of the performers did very well. Um, who do you think was best portrayed in Iron Claw? Cause I've heard, uh, I've heard a couple of different, you know, from other people. So obviously someone who was very close and knew them as well as you did. Uh, I definitely wanted like who you thought was best portrayed in the movie. To me, and that, that's pretty easy uh, because of the way he dressed and everything, but the guy that played David Don Eric, uh, to me, okay. was the the most looked like. Uh, now, the guys that played the Freebirds, James Beard was called to uh, help on that in New Orleans when they were doing the matches for the show. And he would send me pictures and things, and I was looking at those pictures that he sent me of the birds and I'm going, that, that looks just like them. Uh, they had those guys set up. Every one of them looked like Michael, Terry, and, and Buddy and, uh, in the matches. The, the, the matches, you know, one thing that, that we're all going through or fans are complaining about, uh, well, it doesn't look like there's many matches in there. There's yeah. not. It's not about matches. It's about the family. It's about the tragedy with matches in there. Uh, and that being said, which I've said before, the matches that that I saw that James sent me and then I saw in the, the uh, premiere when I was there with Kevin and, and James and uh, David Manning, uh, you, you couldn't tell any of the boys that were actually working any difference from the Von Erichs or the Freebirds or whoever, those actors and whoever, you know, I mean, James did, but train those to do that. It looks just like what we were doing on Channel 11 and Channel 39. Just like oh, it. Yeah. It was amazing, the work that those guys did. That's really cool. Because, yeah, and I because, you know, you see a lot of those wrestling documentaries or whatever, and they, they – focus more on the wrestling and there's times where it's it's perfect you know that the wrestling is a big part if depending on who it is but i'm glad that they didn't focus on the wrestling because it, it is more it should be more about like the lives and everything like because you know one of my you know uh favorite movies was the wrestler it shows actually a true life of a wrestler and i think it a lot of people need more to see that than actually what's gone in the ring because we go through so much so it's like i'm glad that they did focus on that so that is cool, really cool to hear, and I'm glad to hear that. You're right, and that's that's exactly what this movie is. So you will enjoy it because it's 
it's it's history, it's family, it's their relationships, both within the family and outside the family. Uh, and uh, but it's it, it does have some good matches in it, but it's not about matches. It just has matches in it. It's about family. That's cool. That's good. Well, that's all I can think of at the moment. I'll probably think of something. But um, if Sanga, do you got any more questions or anything like that? I'll probably come up with something a little later on. But let you throw it back to you for a second, Sanga. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit was how you went from Fort Worth and then on to the Sportatorium. World Class also did a lot of spot shows. Did you go to many of the spot shows that weren't necessarily filmed for television, or did you strictly go to the televised matches? No, I was on the road, uh, you know, especially once. once uh, well, I was on the road with the Von Erichs. We were doing the spot shows. We were doing uh, – I was with them when they weren't on the show on their personal side also. You know, going shopping, going out to eat. Uh, back in the 80s, uh, we would do uh, autograph sessions, you know, where the Dallas Cowboys were, and, you know, it was a celebrity type thing. Cowboys quit coming out when, when the Von Erics were there because all of the fans went to the Von Erics. And it was, it was fun, uh, you know, fun things. The line was so hard, and they were so busy trying to sign Sometimes I would sneak around and I would get in line and, and hand them something to autograph. <laughs> and they never even noticed it was me. But it was it was amazing back then. In the last few years, memorabilia collecting has become a very, very big business. Did you collect much memorabilia when you were actively working with the Von Erics? And do you have a lot of it now, or is that something that you've sold off in recent times? I didn't get anything except I've got four of my ring jackets. Two of them were stolen. Uh, all of Carrie and Kevin's and David's things had been stolen and were missing for several years. And I found them. Oh, actually, I didn't find them. Someone else found them, and then she called me and told me where they were. And uh, I got them all back to the uh, the girls. Uh, in fact, I got them to the girls at, at Fritz's funeral. Uh, and they came out and, and separated what was there, but it was it was the boys' rings. Uh, it was the, the jackets. It was the... Uh, Books. It was box. I mean, big box after box after box of things. And the girls let me take uh, all of the ring jackets to a show in Corpus Christi. Uh, the James Beard had got me to come do. It was a big show, and uh, I took the Von Erich fans that were there. There was a club there for the Von Erichs. We found out they were going to be there, and they didn't know I had all of that. And the girls told me I could, could take it back there. And I took it to Corpus, all the, the jackets, and we brought the, the fans back as a surprise and let them try on all of the Von Eric jackets and take pictures and, and the robes and and uh, everything they wore to the ring, which was was kind of neat and a lot of fun. But 
me personally, I didn't have any idea it was going to do anything like that, and I didn't save a thing except my own ring jackets. I wish I had. I don't think you're alone in that. I don't think many people in that era realized the collectability that would eventually come out of that. And especially now with the movie coming out. For sure. Uh, Do you know if in the movie they used some of the actual jackets and robes or were these props that they recreated? They had to be props that were recreated because the Von Erichs were not involved in this at all. Kevin didn't know anything about it and wasn't involved in it until it was nearly over. And then they brought the uh, Kevin and the girls and the family, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, two weeks, I think, before the actual review to see it. So at the review, when I was with Kevin and, and uh, James and David and all the girls and the sons, uh, it had already been out for a couple of weeks. Kevin had already seen it. And he did. The family did approve it, and uh, so. But they didn't. They didn't have anything to do with it, and none of their, uh, none of their clothes, nothing of their personal things were used in it. And again, whoever did this show, they did a miraculous job because I worked with every one of those rain jackets that they used in the movie, in the real ones, and I couldn't tell them apart. And the the, the video part of the the movie of them going into the sportatorium. I don't know how they did that, but it gave me goosebumps because it looked identical to what I parked at every Friday night. We know that World Class got big enough that they eventually tried to move out of the traditional territory they went to Massachusetts a few times they also very famously went to Israel and ran a few shows over there did you make any of the trips where they would leave the confines of the world-class territory no because it's it was a lot like uh, the circus where, you know, the, the big Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, they had circuses going on in several parts of the uh, country. And the ones that were overseas, that wasn't everybody gone. We still had matches and shows going on here. And that's where I stayed. Which was a good thing, probably. Being involved with the Von Erichs, did they have you coordinate with anyone at those shows in either Massachusetts or especially in Israel so they could get a feel for what the Von Erichs needed for security, or was that something that the Von Erichs had to deal with once they got to where they were going? That would have been whoever was doing the promoting on the show that was up to them Uh, I didn't have anything to do with that Uh, and again by that time I wasn't just with the Von Erics anymore I mean I was 
but I was still handling everybody. Uh, and I wasn't just touring with the Von Erics. I was touring with the Freebirds. I was out with Chris Adams, uh, Iceman. Uh, all of those guys uh, were people that I was taking care of at the time. You know, Ice used to laugh and said he wasn't going to the ring unless I was there, especially at the Sportatorium. But uh, no, I didn't. I I didn't go to those. Who would you say of everyone in world class was the hardest person to keep safe? Probably Kevin. And and uh, I mean, out of everybody there, it was it was Kevin. No, again, I, I told you how narrow the the uh, aisle work was, and. Everybody else stayed with me uh, or my crew. You know, and if you see any of the videos of, of going, you'll see me, especially if it's one with Fritz. I'm moving around from one side to the other, behind letting everybody else try and move it. And then right before we get to the big crowds, I step in and, and hold myself around Fritz or whoever the, the big one is going to be. Uh, Kevin, on the other hand, didn't walk when we when we hit where the fans could see he took off running if you look back on all the videos very seldom will you see him walk to the ring he's running and he's gone and and that he was the hardest to deal with i mean not necessarily in a bad way that made me it was just you know we laughed about it but uh he he was he was the one that was not going to walk steadily and let us do what we were there for. Obviously, the Sportatorium, like you said, was a pretty intimate venue, and they were close up to where the wrestlers were. And I know the fans in Dallas and around that vicinity were extremely passionate. Were there a lot of actual fights between you and your people and the fans where was that something that you were able to head off before it got to that point both uh you know i've got knife wounds i've got broken bottle scars on my arms uh teeth mark on my my hand from popping you know somebody in the mouth uh it it uh you know and again it wasn't necessarily all people that were bad but they started drinking before they got there and while they were there and they went nuts when uh, you know especially on one of the main events on a big heel uh type show or match and uh that's when they brought uh you know we had broken bottles i had a lot of people that would bring these small cans of deodorant and a cigarette lighter and make torches trying to flame somebody, one of us trying to get to the ring. Uh, completely different than it is now. Uh, but again, uh, you know, we all think that was the place to be. We liked it. Uh, it, was, it was what wrestling was at the time. It was what my job and, and the guys that worked under me, it was, it was their job. And, you know, we never blinked about it. We never complained about it. We never... 
said, somebody's got to do something. You know, it was, we considered it part of our business, part of, of the, the show, and we dealt with it. And we got a reputation, uh, and it didn't take long to get it where people would back off before we, we would have to handle them. But uh, usually, usually every night we had to take at least two back every night, get them out, and sometimes in jail. I believe 1988 on Christmas Day, they had the match where the Freebirds attacked Fritz and Fritz went to the hospital. There were also a few times where the Von Erichs would update fans on a member of the family that had gone to the hospital for whatever reason. When they did things like that, did a lot of fans try to get into the hospital to check on the Von Erics? Did you ever have situations where you had to be security at the hospital to keep people from getting to one of the boys that was actually hurt? Every time. Uh, you know, I rode in the ambulance a lot of times and had my crew follow behind. Uh Fans, fans knew they they jumped in their cars and they would follow the ambulance or follow us if if it was just you know didn't need an ambulance. Uh, we uh, uh, had to fight them at the hospital. They were there trying to get in, drove the hospitals nuts, you know because they it's supposed to be quiet and it's supposed to be sedate, and it wasn't when we were there. Uh, the fans were just as noisy at the hospital trying to get to whoever we had in there uh, as they were in the matches. And sometimes I took one in where the police came out. It was Terry Gordy uh, had a, I forget exactly what happened to him, but we had to take him uh, to Parkland Hospital. And uh, I was standing outside and, Finally, one of the police officers came out and he said, we're going to have to put him under or something. He said, we can't control him. He said, he's trying to, to hurt all the police officers. And I said, well, let me go back there. And I went back and settled him down. He was just nervous and, and going. But, you know, the fans were out there. And that's why the police were there back there was because of all the fans that were going nuts out at Parkland Hospital, which I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's a huge, huge hospital. And uh, it just, you know, it was just more of a and funny saying, but more of a fun time for us. It, it, you know, it was nothing bad, nothing unusual. It was just part of our business and part of our life at the time. Well, we have a game we like to play on the show. We call it Word Association. I'll throw out the names of some people that you most likely came into contact with. And the first word or two that comes to your mind to describe them is the answer. Are you prepared for some word association? Well, I can try it. We can see. All right, here we go. First name, Bill Mercer. Okay, and I'm supposed to tell what I think about him? Yeah, first few words to pop to mind. Uh, great guy. Uh, 
awesome, good friend. Iceman Parsons. Fun guy, funny, had fun with him. Kamala. Strange as he looked. Hollywood John Tatum. Good friend to this day. Talked to him this morning. Gary Hart. Genius in the business. Wild Bill Irwin. A good friend. Long-time friend. Excellent in the ring. Bronco Lubitsch. One of my buddies. Very close to him. Genius in the business. Gandar Akbar. Another genius. And very close to everybody. Missed greatly. Missy Hyatt. Strange girl. The last name, Mark Lawrence. Excellent, excellent, excellent at interviewing and doing what he did with the microphone. All right, that wraps up the association. Speaking of Bronco Lubit, pretty much every time he would referee a show, he would get knocked out. Considering how passionate the fans were, especially at the Sportatorium, did you have to watch out for the referees when they would go down to make sure fans didn't get to them? Or was that something that was on them to make sure that they were protected? No, anything going on in the ring, to the ring, or from the ring was on me, Uh, if it involved a fan. Not if it involved the match, but if it involved a fan, uh, then then it was on me. It didn't matter whether it was the announcer, whether it was a referee, whether it was one of the uh, valets, one of the, the wrestlers. They were on us. Did you have very many situations where the fans did confront the referees? No, not really. Not any that I can remember. Uh, I'm sure they did, but but uh, usually the referees were coming after we got the uh, uh, wrestlers out of the ring and we were back in the dressing rooms. And then it would have been the, uh, if anything was going on at that, it would have been uh, the uh, arena security team uh, that would handle that if if we weren't there. Well, Andrew, do you have some more questions you want to ask? Um, I guess the, my final question, because um, you, you hit uh what was like your fondest memories with the Von Erichs? The family side where we were brothers and uh, 
you know, it was always great in the ring with them because, you know, dealing with the fans, but, uh, you know, being, being considered part of the family, being considered friends, uh, and going out and, and doing things, you know, on a social level, double dating, uh, you know, uh, for instance, I was on the road. My dad was on the road. My mom screamed one night because she rounded the corner and there was David coming around the other corner, and he was hungry, and he was yeah. he was in Denton and didn't want to go home. So he just came in the back door of my mom and dad's house and uh, uh, didn't knock, didn't, which he didn't have to, but it scared her. And, but yeah. she sat down and, and fixed him dinner for what he wanted. Uh, again, I, you know, I bring that up because it was a family on both sides. You know, I, you know, Fritz said I was his seventh son, and my mom and dad were were, you know, other mother and father's family, to uh, especially David and Carrie, and that's the way it was. It was it was it was it was a job. We were doing what we had to do when we were at a show. And then we were doing what anybody else would do when, you know, we weren't working. You know, we'd go shopping together. Uh, the girls would go out. We'd go double dating. We'd meet for lunch, uh, go to movies, go to concerts, just like anybody else would do with their friends. That's cool. That's cool. And, and it's something I miss greatly. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that's the only question I got. Like that, that's really cool. Though. Like, I'm glad that, that's really cool that it was on both sides. It was a family on all all costs and all around. That's awesome. Yeah, it, and it was. It really was. Uh, you know, and again, uh, to kind of go into that when little Chris was going to his first match, and it was going to be at the Sportatorium, and I was only doing the main events at that time. I had other guys working the preliminary stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. little Chris uh, asked me, he said, can you come back to one of the dressing rooms and talk to me for a minute? And I said, sure. And I went back there and I said, what do you need? And he said, I just want to know if you'll take me to the ring for my very first match. Would you do that? And I said, let me explain something to you. You're going to have a really fat lip if you think I'm not going to do that. Of course I'm going to do that. You there you know, go. That's awesome. And he started laughing, and he hugged me, and and I hugged him. I said, "Now, did you do what I tell you to do?" The minute we get out of this dressing room, he said, "I will." I've been told to do that. I said, "You hang on to me. I hang on to you. You move if I move." Mm-hmm. He said, "I've got it." And I said, "Okay, that's how we're going." And he he thanked me and hugged me again, and that's how it went. That's awesome. It really was. Really was. Speaking of the family, in world class, a lot of wrestlers have had their children go into the business. Uh, Kevin's sons are very active in the business with MLW. Carrie's daughter Lacey was in the wrestling business for a while. Terry Gordy's daughter Miranda's very active in the business right now. I'm sure there's several other examples as well of 
second or third generation, what do you think it is about the next generation of the world-class families that saw them get into the wrestling business too? It's, it's, you know, there's not much left from world-class. Uh, you know, everybody you mentioned I've worked with, uh, you know, Lacey, uh, we were on the Bo and Jim show and when he introduced me, I think I told you this earlier, is Bill, she, she yelled at him and said, that's Uncle Bill. Uh, but I've I've dealt with her in the ring, uh, getting her in and out, and uh, I, well, I've 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 worked with everybody from Fritz's father up through Holly and Lacey, Kevin's kids. Uh, I don't know, you know, if if you're meaning their kids, where this is going to go. Uh, the the business for a long time really. Uh, hurt and in the last eight or nine years it's really come around and and uh good again you know it's it's never going to be like it was when we were doing ww or wccw and nwa and and all of that uh because of of the uh where it goes and, and how it's doing but it's growing uh you know ww is is a they just wrestled their own guys. I like the other ones uh, like we did. You know, WCCW would would wrestle with guys from NWA and and go all the way around, and uh, it made it really interesting. And and uh, you had you had uh, world champions that were really world champions, not a group world champion. And that's what's coming back, and that's what a lot of these companies are doing is putting this together. So it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, really, I, I just can't say. I, I hope it continues like it has been with, with hand-me-downs. Uh, you know, kids make other kids, and it keeps going, and there's a love for it within the families that they, they turn them into uh, wrestling stars. We're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure you have ample time. If there's anything you would like to say to the listeners, if you want to plug or promote absolutely anything at all, the floor is all yours. Well, I'm going to tell everybody to go see the Iron Claw. If you were any kind of a wrestling fan, and especially a Von Erich fan, go see it. But do not think it's about wrestling. It's about the Von Erichs about their family. It's behind the scene things that, that you're seeing for the first time. Enjoy it and let us know what you think. Well, Bill Colville, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us here today. And we are going to have you back on the 10th of this, or the 17th of December when we do our world-class tribute and a preview of Iron Claw, and we're going to have some more world-class personalities, so we're, we look forward to that for sure. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, uh, you know, get to hang out with some of the uh, guys. Of course, we, we stay in touch pretty, pretty frequently, uh, but I think it's going to be interesting with the list you've got and uh, 
James always likes to have a few stories on me. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, I thank you very much, and hopefully we will talk to you very, very soon. And I want to wish you the best of luck. Hopefully that movie is a huge success and will reignite the passion of world-class championship wrestling from the fans because I know it's a beloved promotion. Well, I think it's going to be good, and I appreciate you having me on and, and letting me talk about it. Absolutely, you're always welcome here. Fans, definitely buy yourself a ticket. Go watch The Iron Claw. It's going to be a great movie. They did a very good job from what I have been told and from what I have seen. We're excited for that. Good, Sam. Do you have some things you need to plug, promote for this week? Um, Well, the inclusion show tomorrow up in Kelso. At the Rain Church, it's uh, the Inclusion's first show. It's their debut show, so I think that will be good. Uh, it's me and Tomcat in the two out of three falls for the family title. Also, the Callitz Rumble to uh, crown the first Callitz County champion and a few other matches that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Also, you'll have Bobby uh, Highway versus Brian Armstrong in a retirement match. That's right. I don't want to think about that. I don't want Buddy gone. <laughs> Just Somebody's no, I, I got to lose. Someone's got to lose. Yeah, Benji, Maybe they're good find both Andrew and myself there, as well as yep. our co-host, Dimitri. He will be ring-announcing, yeah, and I believe QT Vokes will also be making his long-awaited return to a pro wrestling show watching that, so keep an eye out for all your favorite Turnbuckle Turmoil personalities. Get out there, support your local independents if you have them near you. We'll be back with you Sunday afternoon. Special two-hour broadcast. We have two big guests starting at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern. We're going to be talking with the Fallen One Vendetta. And then at our normal time of 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, we have... Bruiser Koloff with us, so make sure you have plans to be with us then. Next Friday afternoon, we'll be back with you, and we will have legendary independent professional wrestler Q-Ball Carmichael with us, so have plans to join us. We will talk to you soon.